Welcome everyone to this week's Title Now webinar, pop-up webinar, I forgot my catchy name, pop-up webinar. Uh, I'm Melissa Murphy with the fund and I have the pleasure of hosting these pop-up webinars and a quick reminder that we push the audio from this webinar out to our podcast, which is also conveniently titled Title Now. So you can subscribe to that podcast for free, of course, uh, anywhere that you get your podcasts. And it is a great way for you to perhaps revisit the information that we present today or let others know how great it was and share that information with them and let them know that they can get it through a podcast. So today we are talking about uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and uh, some of their new efforts to allow alternatives to title insurance in their loan closings. Back in January, we did a webinar on this topic about the changes in those guidelines uh, that the GSEs issued, allowing for, at that time, attorney opinion letters. We did this because it felt like in 2022, attorney opinion letters were on everyone's minds. What are they? Who's behind them? Why do the GSEs care about this? Why are they making this change? And of course, this is going to put me out of business. Well, it feels like things have settled down a little bit on this um, topic and title agents have gone back to dealing with their day-to-day -day challenges of getting transactions closed, dealing with, at least here in Florida, a much cooler market than what they had a year or two ago. But I know that ALTA, the American Land Title Association, has continued to pay a lot of attention to what's going on in this larger context of title assurance alternatives. So after attending the Alta Advocacy Summit up in Washington, D.C. in May, I thought it was a good time to give fund members an update on this topic because it remains very, very important, even though it's, it's sort of uh, become not an everyday discussion, everyday topic of conversation, it still remains a very critical thing that is going on in our industry. So I've invited back our expert on this topic, Chris Morton, who is the Public Affairs and Chief Advocacy Officer for Alta. So Chris, welcome back to Title Now. Well, thanks, Melissa. It's great to be with you again and um, wonderful to, to dig in a little bit more on this, um, which is still, as you mentioned, a, a huge priority from an advocacy perspective for us because uh, we remain really concerned about sort of where the GSCs are headed here. So one of the things that was talked about a lot when we first started learning about what was going on was the lack of transparency around attorney opinion letters. What are the coverages? What is this underlying insurance wrapper? I think that's what it was uh, referred to. And what are the costs 
it, is it truly cheaper? Uh, who's covered, et cetera. So any movement in that area that's helpful at all? So, you know, again, I think part of the, uh, part of the challenge here is the lack of transparency really is continuing. Um, you know, we've had, we've had a number of conversations, I think maybe as we talked about uh, last time with the uh, National Association of Insurance Commissioners Title Insurance Task Force. I think we've had three sessions now where we've talked about uh, the need for more transparency around these alternative products, particularly uh, the ones with potential insurance uh, components to them. Uh, and the commissioners themselves expressed an interest in learning more. I think some of the providers, though, uh, have been less than forthcoming as it relates to uh, putting those policies, you know, out into the public domain. And uh, I think there's another meeting coming up here in August, uh, I believe in Seattle. And, um, you know, this is going to be certainly an area that uh, we continue to press, um, but we haven't seen anything more than uh, from a data perspective, anecdotal uh, information about these deals trickling sort of into different markets. Um, so we're again gonna encourage the fund members, you know, to the extent that you're seeing uh, deals uh, and specifics in the marketplace, we'd love to uh, be able to better understand and have the specifics around that so we can do you know, additional analysis uh, around it. But uh, Fannie Mae actually put out as part of its equitable housing finance plan, I think about a month ago, um, some data on at least the transactions they've done. And to date, um, there's only been 45, uh, 45 of these uh, AOLs that they've purchased with loans, you know, on their books. Uh, and, um, you know, that's out of 1.15 million loans I think they've purchased in total. So that just seems to indicate there's not been, you know, a huge uptick um, in activity, at least from the data they've collected today. Well, and that sort of begs the question, why? Why, why have these not penetrated the market? I mean, I'm not complaining about that. Right. But the lack of transparency and the the lack of information is what is causing us to not be able to answer that question. So, I mean, and I know you can't answer that question, Chris, but it's just, it's very perplexing. So um, let's move on to something that I think you can respond to, because I always like to ask my guests questions that they might have an answer to. Sure. So, I know that the focus of Alta last year was really to educate, raise awareness, and do that amongst various groups and people who might be able to effectuate change. So what's the update on those efforts? Yeah, well, you mentioned, and thank you for attending Advocacy Summit in Washington, D.C. And in May, we were up um, on Capitol Hill with Alta members on May 10th to meet with members of Congress to really talk about some of the concerns that we've expressed, you know, on uh, on this issue. And we had, I think, um, over 200 uh, meetings uh, on Capitol Hill uh, where we did just that. And as a result of those conversations, uh, there's been a lot of interest and awareness built about these concerns, particularly among you know policymakers who understand and value the 
the work that the title industry does. You know, we're in every community nationwide. We're doing things really important to the economy from a, you know, from a property rights perspective. Um, and so they were eager to, to better understand this. Um, subsequent to the, the meetings that we had on May 10th, there were then two, um, I think, critical hearings in the House Financial Services Committee that um, were opportunities for those same policymakers to ask questions on May 17th. Uh, there was a hearing in the House Financial Services Housing and Insurance Subcommittee um, really on um, a different topic. Uh, many of you have heard about the loan level price adjustment issues that um, the GSEs have been dealing with. Well, as part of that conversation, though, however, um, Ed DeMarco, who's the former, um, former director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, um, was a witness uh, talking about um, that topic. Uh, and in that process, um, there was a question asked of him about the pilot uh, that Fannie Mae had put forward to waive title insurance or was reporting to put forward to waive title insurance requirements on certain loans they purchase. And um, he said, look, um, they have plenty to do with the secondary market and their responsibilities. This should be um, not something that, um, that should be sort of moved forward. He, he found a lot of challenge with it. Um, and that kicked off, you know, additional interest on the part of committee members. Um, the next week, there was a hearing at, on May 23rd at which the director of the FHFA, Sandra Thompson, testified, um, really an oversight hearing on all things. But I think there were at least eight members of Congress on both sides, uh, Republicans and Democrats, who asked questions about the risks um, and expressed concerns about the risks associated with both alternative uh, products like attorney opinion letters that are emerging, as well as this waiver program, uh, and, you know, uh, urged the FHFA to be very cautious, one, in moving forward with um, with either of those initiatives in, in a, a significant way, and then two, really uh, talked more about the point that you just made, Melissa, which is the need for more transparency, public comment, openness, something that we've you know, talked about. So we're hopeful that uh, that message was heard and, you know, and we continue to collaborate with uh, both the GSEs and FHFA to find, you know, important paths forward uh, because we all agree that affordability is, is a really uh, critical topic. No question about it. Something of, of concern to everyone that's sort of an art uh, a policy that not many people can argue about until it comes down to how it affects them but i do want to go back to this uh pilot project that fannie mae suggested they might engage in to me that was a little little ambiguous exactly what that was so remind us what that was all about and perhaps what the status is yeah, so on, on that one, um, so going back to, I think it was uh, February or March, there was a, there was a report that came out um, in one of the uh, publications here in, in D.C., uh, Politico, that revealed that uh, there was some work going on uh, behind the scenes uh, where Fannie Mae would essentially uh, waive their requirements on certain loans they purchased for title insurance on the lender side. Um, and again, not a lot of you know depth and detail because that that actual proposal has not yet been formally submitted to the FHFA, which 
then would kick off a process of review at FHFA. But from what was reported and what we've heard in the marketplace, you know, part of the, the program would um, essentially be structured in a way that um, in exchange for um, the waiver of uh, rep and warrant on the, the lender side and the acceptance of the risk, um, you know, in, in terms of the, the title risk, uh, Fannie would take a fee from the lender uh, and, you know, and basically um, essentially act as an insurer in that, in that instance, uh, and that fee would essentially, um, our understanding would be some sort of a, you know, fee for a claims reserve type process. There's a lot of questions about um, obviously risk, experience, expo sort of expertise and exposure, how that was all going to be navigated and managed, which are still um, unanswered questions. But um, the primary thing I think we're concerned about is, is this really the role that uh, that a secondary market player should be uh, playing, you know, essentially taking a primary market role kind of beyond the, the charter uh, that, that for which they were established. Um, and in a, in a time period, certainly where, you know, we've got more challenge in the housing market, rates are going up. We've seen financial institutions um, have uh, failures recently. And so do we want to, you know, be moving the GSEs in a place uh, where uh, they're, you know, perhaps um, having a redo of uh, the 2008 uh, window. And certainly we all know how that ended. And so we don't wanna, we don't wanna, you know, sort of cross that threshold. And so we've raised those questions, uh, those, those concerns, you know, both on the policymaker side on the Hill, but also uh, within uh, the FHFA and directly with the, the GSEs too. And so we're hopeful again that um, people uh, in authority are listening, uh, certainly the policymakers are and have expressed their views. So um, so we're, we're feeling like um, we're making an impact. The other thing I'll say uh, just on the advocacy front, um, we've had now, I think, uh, almost 800 members of Alta in the industry uh, express those views. Uh, we've done a, uh, an action alert through our Title Action Network. Um, we have that, you know, continually available. Um, we're happy to send that around uh, to you all. But um, the more people can express their voice, um, the more uh, positive reception we're going to have. And let me let me uh, take advantage of your mentioning TAN Title Action Network to fund members out there. You do not need to be a member of Alta to join the Title Action Network. It doesn't cost you a thing. And I have sent links to uh, the registration page for TAN multiple times, and I'll do it again. But this is a great example of how a simple email from you through the Title Action Network could potentially make a huge difference on issues like this. So I'll be sure to send that out in my next blog posting, Chris, so that we can try to get even more participation amongst fund members. So thank you for reminding me of that. Oh, absolutely. No, that, that would be great. So just to kind of close the door on uh, this pilot project where title assurance would be waived by Fannie Mae, we don't know if it's gonna go forward or not at this point, because sort of the message to FHFA is, this is not a good idea and here's why. 
plus it may be beyond their authority to do this. So that's not a good idea, but we're, the verdict is still out, I guess is what I would ask. Yeah, I think it, it's still out, but um, again, I think the more that we express those concerns and grow the, the voices to that, that, that process, I think this is really, for, for, from our purposes, this is a bright line. Um, you know, we can talk about the attorney opinion letters and we can debate the specifics once we see more about the policies and those kinds of things. I think when you're waiving in its entirety any kind of um, protection for lenders, which then will ultimately have an impact on consumers, that's bad policy. I mean, at the end of the day, we believe every loan purchased by the GSEs from a policy perspective should have title insurance attached to it. Uh, but when you're waiving it in its entirety, you're going down a, a, a path that is very dangerous, you know, from a risk perspective um, and from, you know, from the perspective of um, an industry that's well regulated, uh, that's overseen and uh, appropriately reserved for the things that we know happen on a daily basis in terms of claims. It's just not it, it, it doesn't serve the purpose uh, that you're trying to achieve. And, you know, there's a question ultimately about whether or not you know that type of a program would really be targeted to the affordable borrower, or whether it's really a move to um, create some um, some space and revenue and sort of preening of the the top of the, the crop, so to speak, and and in terms of the you know the uh, the loans that would be purchased and the type of borrowers that would be you know affected by them. So. Right, that would be a very interesting aspect of this pilot program to investigate if it moves along at all. Well, I'm confident you'll keep us posted on that, and I will certainly keep an eye out for any information from Alta on that. Absolutely. And are there are there other products in this arena that uh, investors are suggesting or large-scale mortgage brokers are suggesting. I know that there is one large mortgage broker slash lender that is is also has some some form of a self-insuring product. Um, and so is there anything new out there beyond just the initial attorney opinion letter product? So there's there's kind of I think we may have we may have touched on this in our last conversation, Melissa. But there so there's two general flavors that we're seeing in the market of these attorney opinion letters. One has this insurance wrap, the other one is is not, and it's really a more of an old uh, fashioned type of attorney opinion letter on the lender side, on the lender uh, in place of the lender policy, where there is that that um, sort of self insuring um, aspect to it. I think the concerns we continue to have in both instances is, you know, the, the lack of coverage for perhaps things like fraud and forgery, uh, the uh, duty to defend necessarily not being uh, a part of that um, attorney opinion letter structure, um, as well as, you know, all of the things that are not revealed in the public record search that we know title insurance covers, um, whether or not these things are, um, you know, taken care of in any meaningful way by the attorney opinion letter structures, either either flavor that is emerging. And so those are still outstanding questions. Um, the one thing I'll say sort of beyond all of this, though, that is really important and that we've emphasized as we've talked to the GSEs and as, we, as we've talked to the FHFA is, you know, we are partners at the table in this whole question of affordability. We, we want to find additional ways 
not just on products, but also on policy. And so I'll just highlight, you know, a couple of the things that we're we're doing that we think are moving the ball forward. One, um, you know, we've uh, I know in in Florida you've you've uh, focused on this, but these uh, predatory listing agreements, you know, those are things that are harming consumers. And we've been an advocate and a leader uh, to put legislation in place, model legislation, you know, in various places, including you know, the work with with you all uh, in the state of Florida and the, the attorney generals engaged there. But you know, when folks can't access their uh, equity, they can't refinance, they can't do these things. That is a wealth sapping exercise, uh, and we want to make sure that that doesn't take place. Um, that's a part of the whole equation. I think the other thing is we're working on issues of heirs' property, making sure that we're trying to find paths forward for people, you know, to address those kinds of things. And then we've had a number of conversations, and I know a number of the companies have gone in to talk to the regulators and to talk to the GSEs about you know, different ways to provide for affordability approaches um, from a product perspective. But if you're throwing things like a, a title waiver on the table, the economics of anything that the industry would put forward would be totally upended. And so you can't, uh, on the one hand, pursue those policies or programs and then ask the industry to do things uh, that come to the table in good faith. We're coming to the table in good faith. We hope that um, we can, you know, push some of these bad ideas to the side and move forward in collaborative Because I, I feel like, I well, I am learning that there are so many policies and things that various industry groups and the governmental agencies are trying to accomplish that all sort of intertwine. And the attorney opinion letters isn't out there independent just because somebody at Fannie Mae said, oh, we think that's a good idea. It's all intertwined in a fairly laudable goal of making housing more affordable. And when you combine that with the efforts to combat that predatory lending or predatory listing agreement. We have addressed that in Florida. Uh, our attorney general didn't waste much time at all and filed suit against the offending company. And we passed a bill in our legislative session this year that addressed those situations uh, from the future. And then we're hoping that the attorney general can be effective with regard to those agreements that have already been entered into. And then on the uh, heirs property, we have a great law here in Florida that facilitates clearing up title that has been passed down over the years, but people did not have the wherewithal to do a probate. And of course, every generation, it gets worse and worse and, and more people involved. And so we have been on the forefront. Um, so I'm very proud of my state for doing that. And Absolutely. Then on the issue of the value of title insurance, and you mentioned coverages for fraud and forgery, I don't think anybody can argue that the industry has not stepped up when it comes to damages and injury and harm that people have suffered as a result of fraud and forgery. It is one of the main sources of claims that our industry is paying these days. And we clearly understand our obligation and our responsibilities there. 
And so all of those things are intertwined. And, and as I've learned over the years, as I've gotten more and more involved in advocacy, there are very few issues that are isolated and, and, and siloed and under themselves. So many things uh, interreact and are inter, um, interrelate and uh, one thing affects the other. So that all kind of leads me to just reminding uh, people what we can do on a local level. And I really mean on a state level here locally in Florida. But what can my fund members do? We've mentioned Title Action Network, but what are some other things that they can help me do on a statewide level? Um, suggestions that you have for us to continue the good fight. Yeah, well, I think you know you, you all are leaders, and and it's really um, been tremendous. I think you know the uh, leadership you're you're providing and continue to grow with um, the Florida Land Title Association. Scott Merritt is a great partner of Alta. Um, he's been a terrific leader there, and so you know we try to really work collaboratively with all the state land title associations. So being engaged in both, both at the, you know, at the state level and the federal level and working collaboratively. One of the things we're seeing, you know, uh, more so than ever that I've seen in my entire uh, career um, from an advocacy perspective is state issues are federal issues and they're one and the same. Everything you can think about, whether it's, you know, proactive things we've done on things like remote online notarization, the emergence of issues around foreign ownership of land or, um, you know, wire fraud or, uh, you know, now these uh, these issues around alternative products, all of those things, you know, sort of flow back and forth between state and federal. And I think being engaged, you know, as much as possible to raise your voice in both forms is really good. Well, the first thing that I always suggest my members can do is just be knowledgeable. Just understand what the issue is so that if you get asked a question by a realtor or by a client, you have an answer. You've heard about the issue. You've looked into it. You've participated in a webinar like this and learned um, from you, Chris, what's going on out there. So that certainly is the first step. I am concerned a little bit about on, on the AOLs and title assurance alternatives that the lack of penetration in the market that you mentioned, Fannie Mae, what was it, 47 loans? Yeah. I, I am concerned that that affects our state regulators' willingness to spend any time on this issue because they don't really perceive it as a major problem. But um, any suggestions you have on how we can position this issue such that we don't wait until it's a major problem. So yeah, I'll be continuing the conversation with you on that score. It's a great point. I mean, I think we've just got to, we've just got to keep it front of, of mind and, you know, in front of the, the, the regulators at both the state and federal level. I, I know that they're interested in learning more. The more you have marketplace data and information or hearing things, I think we've got to keep um, conveying that information, you know, to the regulators to make sure they know exactly what's going on as well as how it's being represented. Uh, so. Right. And I'm a firm believer that you don't go in with 
this is going to put me out of business. You, you go in with, here's why title insurance is so valuable. And here's why what we do every day is so important. Not that you're worried about being put out of business, because I've said from the very beginning, we will compete based on coverages and service all day long, every day. But you know, the AOL folks won't even tell us what they've got and what they do. So it's kind of hard to make an argument. But no. uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time today. Thank you for continuing to help us work on this because as I said at the top of the uh, webinar, we haven't been talking about this a whole lot lately because we've been focused on what's been going on in the legislature here in Florida, but it remains one of the most critical issues to our industry. And so we have to keep it front of mind. Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you, Melissa. Appreciate the, the opportunity. And as always, it's great to see you. I hope everyone has a, a wonderful holiday. Well, thanks everybody for listening and attending and a reminder that I push this out on the podcast so that if you want to listen again or share it with your colleagues, it will be easy to do that. So thanks again. And as always, thank you for your support of the fund.